Welcome back to another episode of In the Works by Career Services at the University of Calgary. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Lawrence. And I'm David Cataford. Yeah, hopefully the summer's been going good for everybody. I know it's been going by pretty quickly for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, still for the summer for us, it's uh, pretty much business as usual, just a little bit on a slower pace. So we are still having our workshops. And so I remember, uh, yeah, about two weeks ago, we had our interview workshops for the undergrad students. You remember that, David? Yeah. And well, there was actually one question that came up during the workshop that gave me an idea for what we should talk about today. And the student was asking how they should answer this specific interview question. And that question is, why should we hire you compared to other candidates who are just as qualified or maybe even more qualified? So right away, I'm going to admit, that's a pretty tough question. Yeah, well, I remember when, when that first popped up in the chat thing, and I was like, well, don't get into the comparison trap. Don't, don't, because I think that question is really asking, it's, it's a simple question, but it's just, why should we hire you? That's how I, I, I hear that question. So I, I, I think I, I gave the advice don't compare yourself to other people. And then I think you added some good comments thereafter. But then I was thinking after, like, it's really what what's a unique talent that you bring to the job? And then talk about that unique talent, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, first thing that you probably think of when that question comes up is that it's really challenging. And actually, it's probably a little bit intimidating as well. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to compare it to the other candidates because obviously you don't know them. So yeah, I really like what you said there about don't fall into that comparison trap. But to me, I think if we rephrase or rethink that question a little bit, I think really all it's asking is that, you know, what qualities, skills or experiences do you have that make you stand out, you know, for this position? And then it's being able to explain those clearly. Absolutely. But here's the interesting thing is a lot of people don't know what their unique talents are. So that's where Clifton Strengths comes in, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're focusing on today. And so the Clifton Strengths is an assessment and it allows you to really discover your strengths and talents. And it really then lets you apply those mindfully on a day to day basis. So this tool does have a lot of practical usage to it. In addition to yourself knowing what your strengths are, um, you can then really, once you're more aware of it, you know, you can easily communicate that to others as well, right? So whether that's on your resume or on your cover letter, um, interviews, as we talked about, you know, those are situations where you can really then uh, be much more aware of it and therefore easily communicate those. So the UFC's had this tool for, I would say, many, many years. But actually, do you know the exact amount, David? Well, again, yeah, many, many years. I, I'm so terrible with dates now that I'm older, but I, I think it's it's probably been five to seven years old, I, 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 I would think. Um, yeah, when I was in university, I remember it being uh, around two. So it might have been at least seven or eight years or so. But anyways, with the strengths, there are 34 of them, right? And so those 34 are sorted into four broader categories. So you have executing. In this case, that means uh, knowing how to make things happen. Influencing, which means taking charge, speaking up. Relationship building. I think that one kind of speaks for itself in terms of building strong relationships, being a part of a team and such. And then lastly, there is strategic thinking, which is about absorbing and analyzing information. 
so each category has eight or nine strengths within them, right? So actually, I'll just list a few um, of them off here just to give an example. So under executing, you know, we have a few like achiever, arranger, discipline, influencing has activator, communication, comp competition, relationship building, adaptability, empathy, harmony, strategic thinking has analytical, futuristic, ideation, learner, and so on. And so these strengths can function individually or they can sort of interact with each other. But I find that from talking to students, reading the report that they give you alone isn't really enough to fully understand it. That's where we really do encourage students to book an appointment with us so we can have a more one-on-one uh, -on -one discussion about them. Right? And those usually are some of my favorite appointments. But, you know, for you, David, like, what do you notice about them? How do those go for you? Well, great. Because I like it because it, it, it kind of tells me what the students like. And so what I'll do is if a student has like empathy, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the empathy talent and, and then I'll say, is that true? And then they'll go, yes. And then I always say, okay, well, where did you get it? And then how long have you had it? And where, where did you get it from? And how do you use it? And, and, and then a lot of the students will, will kind of think, I didn't know that was a talent, or I, I didn't think, or, or they'll say, oh, I got that from my parents, or, or I got that from a life event that happened to me when I was younger. And then they've been able to utilize and develop that talent to kind of a whole new level, because I, I think the Clifton strengths represent more or less how you work, right? Yeah, exactly. And I often find, you know, with students, there's a lot of aha moments when we talk about the strengths. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, subconsciously, they knew they were good at this, but it's not until we bring it to the forefront that it becomes much more obvious and much more clear. For sure. And, and what's interesting, too, is one of the talents that I have is positivity. And I remember when I got my report, I didn't even think positivity was a talent, but it is because I... I look at issues in a positive fashion and I kind of always look at, well, what's the good about it? But that's my talent is, is I bring humor to the workplace. I tell stories, but that's part of my positivity, right? Yeah. So you mentioned positivity was one of your uh, strengths and we'll get to mine in a moment. But yeah, basically after you complete the assessment, it gives you your top five strengths. Now you can get the full report where it shows all 34 of the strengths and where each one would rank but there is a cost to that one so that's why we do say that the top five is a good amount already so back to you David like aside from positivity uh, are there any other strengths that are your favorite well yeah I have my, my, my personal favorite is uh, developer that's one that I have and that's my favorite because I don't know I think developer really it comes forth in my job because what developer is, what it really means to me is I'm able to see the best in the people that I work with. I'm able to see the potential. I'm able to see the good in them. And that really helps out lots when, when, when I'm helping out a student, because sometimes it's like, wow, I see the best in the student and I'm able to bring the best out in them. And so that's a really talent that I really like um, in my top five. Um, what's a talent that you like in your top five, Lawrence? 
I would say that my favorite strength is my first one, which is deliberative. And that is defined as taking serious care in the decisions and choices that they make and anticipating obstacles. So, I mean, I think that describes me fairly well. Uh, because, yeah, I think just, you know, whether big or small decisions, um, I tend to just try to try to think ahead a little bit more. You know, for example, like even what route I'm going to take, you know, when going home or going to the store, you know, is it more... You know, does this uh, road have more lights or uh, left turns and stuff like that? So I really like to think about those little details. But of course, when it comes to the bigger decisions, um, that's where, yeah, I really like to kind of weigh the pros and cons, kind of think about, you know, if I'll have anything coming up in the next year or so, right, that might interfere with it and whatnot. So, yeah, that's kind of how I use my deliberative strength. Yeah, I'm actually kind of jealous because I wish I had deliberative, but that, that's why I think Lawrence and you and I, we, we work well in a team because I don't have deliberative, but you do. So the way I look at deliberative is, is like, it's almost like being able to slow your car down so you're not always rushing and you're able to avoid accidents <laughs> because, because you have deliberative thinking, right? And, and I, that's a great talent to have, right? And think about how you could talk about that in a job interview. And then if that company wants somebody with the deliberative talent, then they're going to hire you. Yeah, so I hope those examples help illustrate what the strengths are all about. And just to reiterate again, you know, if you are interested, uh, you can go to our website, ucalgary.ca slash careers. And we have an assessments page there where you can read a little bit more about it. Um, you know, look at a sample report. And if you are interested, you can send us an email and we can get you started. Um, but yeah, the strengths, you know, it's one thing to do to report, but we recommend, of course, for you to afterwards book an appointment with us where we can really discuss it in a little bit more detail, help you explain it, help you come up with some examples. And in that sense, then, you know, I think you really then fully comprehend what they're all about and how you can really apply them. And yeah, I always like to also promote too, like doing it and getting your top five and then reading about your top five and then forgetting about it is not what I like to promote. I, I think you have to learn about your top five and then know them and study them and develop them and enhance them and, 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 and really like live your top five, I think, because it's not just you do the assessment and then forget about it. You got to remember it. Yeah, exactly. That's very well put. So now let's move on to our regular segment, Real People, Real Careers. For today's guest, we are featuring Tiago. Tiago grew up in Brazil and has completed a bachelor's degree there, and later decided to complete a master's degree in electrical engineering at the UFC. Upon graduation, he worked about a year and a half in software and firmware design, dealing with machine learning and the Internet of Things. But since he has moved into the financial technology area and is now working at Helsinki, Interviewing him is David and our student co-host Shubham, and let's find out more about what he does. So tell us about your, your current role and what you like about it, and also, how did you get there? How did you get to your current role? Yes, for sure. So I am a software developer, and I work for a fintech company, company named Helsin, and we're based here in downtown Calgary. So we provide financial services to our merchants, and my job is to make sure that they are all fraud-free. 
My goal number one is to foster machine learning to enhance even more our platform for fraud detection. So the way I got here was I was working with machine learning for another company before. And uh, last year, more specifically in November last year, I transitioned to this new company. While I previously worked with IoT, Internet of Things, I decided to take the knowledge on machine learning and apply it to a fintech company. What I love most about it is being creative while solving problems every day. That's great. I mean, so uh, Tiago, just to know about uh, when you were younger, I, I'm sure there was no machine learning or there was no IoT or fintech. No. <laughs> and then, I mean, what were you thinking to do in your life then? So back then, uh, I believe when I was uh, eight or nine, I wanted to be a math teacher. <laughs> then later on, I realized that uh, no matter what I did, I had to do something to do with science, something that could spark my curiosity and would let me create amazing things. So that's when I started thinking about computer science, software engineering, electronic engineering, pretty much any sort of engineering that would uh, let me take that path. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's great because I believe mathematicians are people who like math have something in them. I, I totally believe that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, 100%. So uh, if uh, if you talk about your undergrad or your grad that uh, that you had from the university, what would be the things that you took out from there which you apply today or you think will always stick to you throughout your life? Right. So just a bit of my background. I, I grew up in Brazil. I was born and raised there. And uh, that's where I went to school first. So I did my undergrad in Brazil, and I took computer and electronic engineering. And uh, I decided to take one year abroad. That's when I came to University of Calgary and stay there for one year. Upon my graduation I in Brazil, I returned to Canada, and I did my, my master's in electrical engineering. So throughout those uh, eight to 10 years, I've learned things in software development, in hardware development, in planning, engineering, and design, architecture, many, many things. But I want to say the most important thing that I've learned was learn how to learn. This is my main takeaway because things, and when we talk about things, I'm talking about uh, technologies, programming languages, hardware, uh, all of that, they change really, really fast. As, as we speak right now, I'm, I'm sure that one of the technologies that I've my, I might have worked on yesterday has become obsolete. So the most important thing for me was to build that pathway to learning new things. Because once you have that concept in your mind, once you have that approach, then you know how to tackle new problems and how to face new challenges. I really like the word, the, the, the line that you said about learn how to learn. Yes. I mean, of course, you've told us uh, how to learn, but tell us uh, what tips would you give them about this phrase that you just mentioned? Right. So I guess a concrete example I have since I'm a software developer is about programming languages. And uh, just to be clear, when I speak about programming languages, I can also extend that concept to languages we use on a daily basis. Uh, when you learn a language, you learn a few things about how to understand their concepts. Yeah. So what is the grammar of the language? What is the syntax of the language? And of course, in programming languages, what are the keywords uh, 
of that language or the way you use it, the way you structure it. So when you learn your second programming language, or when you learn how to speak a second language, all the things that you learned in the first one, they are directly applied to the second one. They might be different if you speak English and decide to learn Russian, or if you program in C and decide to program to learn how to program in Java, you'll find things that are very different, but you'll also find things that are very similar. So trying to find those connections and binding them together is a really good way of transferring the knowledge that you acquired during your uh, first process of learning. So that being said, you can learn as many languages as you want, either programming languages or, or uh, spoken languages, just by picking up on the best things, on those, on those keywords, on those most important concepts, and transferring the knowledge to your new challenge, to that new thing that you want to learn today. Okay. So you sound very passionate, and you sound like you, yes. you enjoy enjoy your, your, your job. Um, but kind of after your, your master's at the University of Calgary, what was, what, how did you land your first real job? Right, so I guess uh, to answer that question, I have to say uh, that I've worked for two different companies, uh, both here in Calgary. So my first job that happened a few months after I graduated, I remember back then I was sending resumes to various companies and I hadn't heard back from any of them really. So I decided to change a little bit my approach. So I went on LinkedIn, paid for their premium version and decided to leverage that those five emails they give you with the premium subscription. So what I did, I ranked my top five companies and the top five staff from those top five companies. And I reached out to them. So I remember that I wrote them uh, individually. I wrote them emails on a Monday afternoon. And by Friday evening, I had a job offer. The way it worked was I sent five emails. Three got back to me on the following day. Out of these three, two kept the conversation going. And one of the two asked me for my resume and told me that he was interested in having an interview with me. And I said, yes, uh, absolutely, let's, uh, let's arrange that. So they invited me for that interview on, uh, on a Friday afternoon and called me back a few hours later to offer me a job. And I started that job on the following Monday. So the entire process uh, between signing up with LinkedIn Premium and starting my new job took me about a week, which was amazing considered that I had been applying for jobs for over three or four months back then. So uh, that was a, there was a really good experience I had using LinkedIn. I got the job. I worked for this company as a software slash firmware design designer and stayed with them for a year and a half where I also had the chance to work with machine learning, like I mentioned before. The difference from what I do now is that that company was an IoT company, as in Internet of Things. So I dealt a lot of hardware and software and the integration of both. Uh, but I did have the opportunity to sharpen my skills uh, more specifically about machine learning. Then last fall, I 
transitioned into another company, which is my current company named Helsin. And Helsin is a fintech company. So they wanted to hire someone with experience in machine learning to enhance them, their fraud detection platform. And that's exactly where I am and what I'm doing right now. Okay, and it sounds to me like like networking is. It sounds like you're an effective networker. My goodness, and 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 I think yeah, you, you really pro- proved a point that being proactive with your job search can go a long way. But mm-hmm. really individualized your approach, and and you sent. But, but yes. let's talk about networking, and, and what does networking mean to you? Um, I like to say that networking is the professional version of dating. <laughs> And there are many ways to go about it. So for me, I like talking to people in my field, learning about their background, asking them them questions, what their career paths look like. So it really goes from meeting a friend's friend, reaching out to someone through LinkedIn, like I mentioned before, having an information on interview, uh, even striking out a conversation in the train or in the bus. The list goes on and on and on. There are various ways I find to network, but the most important thing is when you have the chance to talk to someone, ask this person questions, try to understand where he or she comes from, what, what do they do, what are their goals, like what do they want to accomplish in their career, and where do they want to be in one year, in two years, in five years from now. Uh, well said. Okay, really good. Um, okay, but you sound to me like you're a passionate software developer, um, but don't go into this field, into this area, if you are... Right. So I'd say don't go into software development if you think that all you'll do is sit down in front of a computer and write code. That's not true. You'll spend a lot of time in meetings, planning, designing, drawing, convincing people and ultimately finding innovative ways to solve problems of any nature. Okay, and to kind of close it off, well, kind of with our final question is, like, what advice or tips would you give somebody, like new grads or anybody entering the job market now? What are some tips you would give them? Yeah, so the first thing I'd say to them is network. (laughs) Talk to people, ask what did they do, Try to find a possible career path where you see yourself. That's the most important thing. And the best way to do it is talking to people, talking to people who've already done that, people who are doing that at the same time as you are. So I'm sure that they will have things to share. You will be able to learn from their experience. You'll be able to share your experience. So both will benefit at the end of the day. And, but above all, like have a goal in mind and fight for it. Whenever you ask those questions, um, like uh, where do you work or what do you want to do? Or even what's your job title? When you ask that to people, it gives you the ability to think uh, or to put yourself in these, these people's shoes and trying to understand whether that job would suit you well or not. If it does, great, you have a career path. You have a plan. If it doesn't, just keep looking for it. I'm sure you'll find your way. To listen to this interview again or other ones that we have aired, you can go to ucalgary.ca slash careers. Welcome back again to In the Works, airing on CJSW. 
Yeah, so that was a really interesting chat that we had with Tiago. So now with the last couple of minutes of our show, David, I know there's something that you wanted to talk about. I'd like to talk about, because you know me, Lawrence, I'm very creative and I'm always thinking about games. And I actually, I, I played I played some poker on the weekend and I was thinking that would be a good, a good question to talk about in, in our radio show is what games link to career development and why? So let me ask you this, Lawrence, because I got a game that I'm thinking about that I think links to career development. But what, what game kind of rings out for you in regards to careers? Uh, hmm. Games that link to careers. Well, I think if we try hard enough, we can probably connect many games to career development. But the one that comes to my mind is the game of life, you know, the board game. You know, I personally enjoy that game quite a bit. Uh, okay. but yeah, have you played it before? Yeah, that's the thing with the spin. You spin and then you, you have a car and you kind of drive through. It's a board game. Yeah, right? exactly. That's the one. Um, you spin the wheel and you just kind of drive through the board game, different life events. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's start with uh, your game. Poker, how does that connect with careers? Well, yeah. So to me, poker is an interesting game because... Well, there's that great Lionel Rich, or not Lionel Richie, <laughs> Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler. And, and there's a line in the, in the song, The Gambler, where it's every hand is a winner and every hand is a loser. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk And why I like poker is because you, you, you can, it doesn't, matter what hand you're dealt with you kind of have to deal with it and, and play your hand and so I, I think poker and 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 is is a good game to link to career development it's also taking risks and taking chances and and bluffing a little bit so i, I think poker is an interesting game that can link to career development yeah and i'm just bringing up the chorus here but uh, i think a lot of us have heard this song probably at one point or another but yeah, I definitely see the connections with it. But yeah, but forget the chorus. It's just, I, I don't know that it's the, whatever kind of every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser and really all you can hope for is to die in your sleep. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's kind of, it kind, kind of rings true for me. Um, another game that I, I know when we've actually linked it to a, a lot of our marketing is the game of chess. Yeah. And I, I think that's an interesting game that you can link to career development. And what I really like about chess is chess is very strategic and you're always kind of thinking four or five move, moves ahead and you got different pieces that do different things. But I think the flaw in chess is there's no luck factor in chess. Ch chess is actually the only game where there's no luck involved at all. So that's why I, I think I, I prefer poker a little mm. bit, kind of a combo of poker and chess. And then you like the game of life. What I don't like about the game of life is there's no winner at the end of the game of life, right? Like who is declared the winner? Is it the one with the most money? Yeah. That bugs so me. The person who accumulates the most wealth by the end of the game is, yeah, basically declared your winner. And I got to admit, it's not my favorite ending either. You know, but I kind of more so enjoy the process of the game, kind of enjoying the ride, um, because yeah. at the very beginning, you decide whether you want to go to college yeah. or whether you want to start a job right away 
and then you kind of spin the wheel and then you know kind of life goes on right so you buy a house you start a family you know you can spin the wheel and you know see if you have a boy or girl or if you have twins stuff like that right or you might have to encounter um you know unexpected events you know so like a hurricane comes through right and then you have to repair your house right so yeah it's kind of those little things okay the game for me though that I think really rings true with career development. And this is kind of pessimistic a little bit, but it's snakes and ladders. And because I I think it's, we're always kind of moving forward and you're always rolling the dice and getting your next move. And, and why I like snakes and ladders is, you know, you go to university and it's like, you have a chance to climb up a ladder, which, which gets you to the closer to the, to, to the finish quicker. But you know what, like life is unexpected and there's lots of snakes that you can just land on and it brings you back down. And I mean, haven't we all just landed on a snake in the last 16 months with COVID? And, and, and I, I, I don't know, to me, snakes and ladders incorporates the luck aspect and then, the, you know, the ability to, to land on ladders and then take chances and make the most of your opportunities but it is, life is kind of out of your control a little bit. So I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, so I, I like snakes and ladders. Yeah, that's another applicable one. But yeah, I can't, I can't even remember the last time that I played it. It must have been when I was a kid. But for our listeners, um, if you haven't tried out some of the games that we mentioned today, hopefully you get a chance to try them out soon. And maybe if you have some games that you feel are relatable to career development, maybe you can let us know. Okay, well, that does it for us today. And we'll talk to you next time then on In the Works.